This video is sponsored by Fide, a Catholic technology alternative to big tech companies. Fide provides email, calendar services, file, and collaborative options, forms for individuals, families, businesses, parishes, and nonprofit operations. Check out the link in the description box for more information. There have been a lot of criticisms of Benedict XVI and things around him, and I'll leave the more theologically minded people to go after his what they, what they would call perceived errors in his theology and other things and his behaviors, as some have said, are not that different from the way Francis acts. This is that Benedict did it with less malice. I'll leave that to the more theologically minded. And if things get heated, maybe I'll report on any key debates or whatever. My only real thought about all of this is we need to be consistent. And what do I mean by that? We have had since... 2013, 2014, the canonization of virtually every single pontiff from the Second Vatican Council, every single one of them, with the exception of John Paul I, who's begun his canonization process despite having only served in the papacy for 33 days or so, the famous September Pope, and of course Benedict XVI, who just passed away less than a week ago. Then the question that comes to mind about this is that we've long been criticizing this canonization of the council through the canonization of the papacy, or the popes themselves. These popes, you know, on the one hand, one of the errors that got promoted by Vatican II was this thing called collegiality, and it's the elevation of the bishops as a body to being on par with the pope. It's more complicated than that. That is the bird's eye view from a thousand feet above the issue of collegiality. But it was a sort of stripping of some of the real power of the Roman pontiff. At the same time, that we also got like a, a birthing of hyperpapalism, which is a different error that essentially says the Pope is right in every single thing he does and that he's chosen by the Holy Ghost and all this other nonsense that didn't exist before Vatican I. These two things you would think conflict with each other, and they do logically, but they've really come into their own since Vatican II. And we see it in the canonization of literally every single pontiff since the time of the council. And I bring this up because you cannot possibly have missed by now the cry of Santo Subito about Benedict XVI. People are declaring him a saint already. And I want to ask you to be cautious, okay? And to be, and be thoroughly logical and to be consistent here. If we are criticizing the canonization of literally every pontiff of Vatican II, then maybe we should put the brakes on this with Benedict XVI. Let the process play out naturally. And what do I mean by that? First and foremost, if you passionately believe him to be a saint, begin work to promote his cause for canonization. Start working with a priest or a bishop who is friendly to the cause, there's no shortage of them right now, and craft prayers for his intercession. Begin praying for Benedict's intercession. Organize people to do this. Get people who are in dire straits to pray for this. Why? Because an authentic canonization requires miracles, and you want more miracles, not fewer. One of the critiques of the canonization of the most of the pontiffs from Vatican II onwards, is that these pontiffs have been canonized on some, what some have said are dubious miracles. Miracles that when you actually look at them scientifically can actually be explained. That's kind of the whole point of a miracle, is that they kind of defy 
what the, the natural order of things. Others say that they've been, those requirements have been waived, and people say, well, a pope can do that. Perhaps, but maybe we should be consistent in our critiques. If we have, if people express doubts, like they did about Paul VI getting canonized, because he had one, no cultus, meaning he had no, there was no organized movement of people praying for him. Nobody, had, have you ever heard of anybody who had a devotion to Pope Paul VI before he was canonized? No, I haven't. In fact, um, I remember, I distinctly remember Michael Matt's video over on The Remnant back when the canonization was announced. He was just dumbfounded looking. And he's been in this battle a lot longer than most of us have. <sighs> so I'm, what I'm suggesting is you don't have to be hostile to hit the concept of Benedict as a pope or as, as, as a saint. What I'm suggesting is one, let's put the brakes on things. Start organizing if you are passionate about this. Start praying for his intercession and do things the correct way. Start documenting any miracles associated with him. Because you want this to be done legitimately. And the other thing is, I would suggest they wait at least 30 years before they do this. And make sure, you know, that way it's not Francis doing it. It's probably not Francis II doing it. By then we would hopefully have gotten a better pontiff. You can tell I don't believe in the St. Malachi prophecy if I'm saying a pope beyond Francis. We just need there to be no doubt, and you want this to be handled correctly. I, I mean, I would love to see the old, the, you know, the the devil's advocate brought back, you know, five miracles or something. But I, I would at least be happy with a thorough process that is normal, that is actually something that is carefully done. I mean, the Church has never formally ruled that a canonization is infallible, but it's you've seen there are plenty of theologians who have argued that logically it has to be infallible. That does beg a lot of questions. And I know the modernists don't actually believe it's infallible because they erased they they tell us that Saint Christopher didn't exist. Well, that means the church made an error on claiming somebody who doesn't exist is in heaven. See the problem. But we've also seen it more recently when forces in Rome said it basically hinted that they thought it was a mistake to canonize John Paul II in the aftermath of the McCarrick uh, revelations. revelations. You don't want that kind of talk with Benedict XVI if he was ever canonized, if that process begins. And, this, and a lot of this process isn't just coming from laity. A lot of this talk isn't. It's coming from the high-ranking prelates. Cardinal Pell had a statement to a Catholic media outlet recently where he talked about Benedict as if he was a saint in heaven. He may very well be. The church has not ruled on such yet. and. Perhaps Pell, Cardinal Pell would be a good cardinal to lead such an effort for the cause of the canonization, but to have it done correctly. And this is what the only thing I'm asking is instead of cries of Santa Subito or whatever, please go with a proper restrained process for this. Start organizing prayers for his, for his, for his intercession. Miracles are going to be the fastest way, the absolute fastest way to approve that he's in heaven. That's what the definition of a saint is, that he bypassed purgatory entirely and went straight to heaven. That's what the church says. Now you may have clicked on this video because Cardinal Zen's name is in the title. I have a letter here for you from Cardinal Zen, it's short, where he talks about the, what Benedict really meant for him. And it's a fairly restrained letter actually, and there are digs here against Francis. Very 
like kind of surprising digs, honestly. He digs at Francis a little bit without ever really naming him. He names him once in the, in the letter. But it's what did Benedict, you know, Benedict do on the question of Cardinal Zen's country, which has now, you know, erected its own parallel church that under Francis was recognized by the schismatic heretical group in, in, in Cardinal Zen's home country was recognized by Francis. Scary stuff. I've reported on it before. Cardinal Zen has this letter. At this moment, when Pope Benedict left us for heaven, Pope Benedict XVI has finally finished his humble service as a worker in the Lord's vineyard. It was a multifaceted service. Who will underline that he was a great theologian? Who will continue to call him God's Rottweiler? For he was the great defender of the truth. It is true that his first encyclical was Deus Caritas Est, but later this was followed by Caritas in Veritate. He defended the truth against the dictatorship of relativism. He wasn't afraid to appear retrograde in the face of so many who exalt a pluralism to the bitter end and indiscriminate inclusiveness. He said that love without a foundation in truth becomes a shell that can contain anything. Someone said that Pope Benedict, after his resignation, should have kept quiet and not created confusion in the church. It seems to me quite the opposite. Precisely because there is confusion in the church, a pope emeritus, like every bishop and cardinal, as long as they have breath and are clear of mind, must fulfill his duty as successor of the apostles to defend the sound tradition of church. Since when does the word conservative mean a sin? Unfortunately, fidelity to tradition can be taken as rigidity or backwardsness. In crucial moments, even Pope Francis has accepted this contribution of his predecessor, as when he defended priestly celibacy of the Roman Church in the controversy over the proposal to ordain veri probati. As a member of the Church of my homeland, I am immensely grateful to Pope Benedict for things he has not done for other churches. First of all, a letter, dated June 29, 2007, which was a masterpiece of balance between the lucidity of Catholic ecclesiological doctrine and humble understanding of civil authority. Catholic ecclesiology, which is not personal to him, but expounded by him with unsurpassed clarity and concreteness. Unfortunately, a rather worn letter, errors, more, more likely also manipulations, in the translation in my home country, and tendentious quotation against the obvious meaning of the letter. Another extraordinary thing he has done for the church in my homeland is the establishment of a powerful commission to take care of the affairs of the church in my homeland. Unfortunately, under the new president of this commission, it was secretly made to disappear without even a word of respectful farewell. Pope Benedict was often misunderstood and sometimes not followed, but it is precisely in these cases, which seem to be failures, that I was able to admire the person's great fortitude and magnanimity in the face of setbacks. I saw Cardinal Meisner cry during those days when the German Episcopate severely criticized the German Pope. In the Angelus of December 26, 2006, Pope Benedict exhorted the faithful of my country to persevere in the faith, even if in the present moment everything seems to be a failure. Despite his great effort, Pope Benedict had failed to improve the situation of the church in my land. He could not accept any compromise. I am still convinced that every effort to improve the situation of the church in my country will have to be done along the lines of the 2007 letter. I noted that even the great executor of the church's Ostpolitik, Cardinal Casaroli, did not believe he could always succeed with diplomacy. 
As we remember the great pontiff, let us remember that we now have him as a powerful intercessor in heaven. With his intercession, let us pray that everyone, the church in Rome, the church in my country, and its authorities will be moved by God's grace to bring about true peace for the church and for our country. Beautiful words from Cardinal Zen. And I do think, and I do note that there was, you know, restraint in how he talked about Benedict XVI. He clearly was fond of the man, clearly believed him to be holy, but he didn't go quite to declaring him a saint. And I appreciate that. And again, it's, I'm not against the concept of Benedict XVI as a saint in heaven. I am simply against him getting rushed in an emotional period to being canonized, not knowing what the consequences of that could be. There are way things the church does them and they should be done properly. That is kind of essentially at the core of being a traditionalist is believing that the church should do the things that it does and do them properly. So let's be consistent here, folks. Curious what you thought of Cardinal Zen's letter? Let me know in the comments, please. And uh, do you agree with me or do you disagree with me? Do you think Francis should just beatify him next week? Let me know your thoughts on all this in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help, as does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.